Welcome again to Sleeping Giants, the East Anglian Daily Times and Ipswich Stars sports podcast. We're always saying that 10 games into a season, the league table starts to tell a bit of truth. So where are Ipswich? Well, they are in the bottom half of the table, but only just, sitting 13th with, funnily enough, 13 points. Surprise package Huddersfield are the visitors to Portman Road tomorrow, and they're up at the top, so they are sure to provide a stern test come 3pm. Stuart Watson, our chief football writer at Arch and Suffolk, joins me this week to analyse the Leeds and Brighton matches as well as look forward to the Huddersfield game. But first, back to the league table. Ipswich are mid-table, as we've said. Is that what fans need to be prepared for for the rest of the season, Stuart? Well, we spoke in the summer about predicting where Ipswich might be this year and um, we've said on, on several occasions I think a really good season could finish 5th, 6th at best. Um they're probably not going to fall much below 10th, 11th, 12th, worst off, I think. And probably we haven't seen anything in these first 10 games to uh, to suggest otherwise at the moment. Um, number of injuries at the moment, um, various different things I'm sure we're going to discuss in a moment. But it's kind of very much glass half full, glass half empty time for Ipswich fans. And it's it's felt like that kind of throughout the McCarthy era, really. Um, you know, th- there's uh, always been enough positives to, to be not too down on them but never quite enough to, to get really sort of encouraged and, and carried away by either really just um, yeah just that, that middle ground really at the moment I guess uh, Ipswich have been fairly un, fairly lucky sorry with injuries until quite recently but now they've had Tommy Smith Alan Webster Grant Ward and Brett Pittman have all picked up knocks in, in recent games of varying severity is the squad big enough to weather this patch or is it starting to look a little thin on the ground now I guess we'll find out. Time will tell over the next few weeks. You're right, they certainly were very fortunate. Certainly the year they finished sixth. Um, barely any injuries, certainly no key injuries then. Um, this year, obviously, they, they've had quite a few early on. And, and, of course, this is the first season with no emergency loan window as well. Um, might it force Mick's hand and, and um, you know get him to play a few kids that he, he might not necessarily have have played, um, you know, the likes of Andre Dizel, people like that. Um, we shall see. But um, listen, it might, you know, we said this about Daryl Murphy leaving and could it be a blessing in disguise for a, a change of style of play? We've not really seen evidence of that so far. People are saying the same thing about injuries at the back. Could be a blessing in disguise with Luke Chambers returning to, to centre-back and it, and it gives a chance for young Josh Emmanuel to, to come in at right-back. Um so we shall see, but certainly the, the squad is looking thin um, at the moment in terms of sort of first team players. Uh, they're down to bare bones in terms of filling a bench at the moment. So um, this game and then an international break and, and I'm sure one or two will be, will be coming back. But um, yeah, time will tell. Obviously, there are a few players who started the season with a, with a few niggles. Um, there was uh, Connor Grant, who, who had a little bit of time out, didn't have a full pre-season. Teddy Bishop, obviously, had a broken nose recently. Are they likely to be playing a bit more? I know uh, Connor Grant's been in and around the squad a bit, but is, is Bishop likely to be back anytime soon? And, of course, it's October as well tomorrow, so is Johnny Williams going to be on the horizon? I'd certainly like to see one of those three playing in a if, if Mick's going to continue with the three-man midfield which uh, I'm pretty certain he will do the way he talks um, I've not got a problem with that but I think you've got to have that balance of, of work rate and creativity uh, Douglas Scoos Brew 
doesn't do it for me as a three. Um, I know Bruce probably meant to be the one that carries the, the burden of creativity out of, of those three. For me, he's just been far too up and down this season. So I get a feeling that, that Teddy could start against Huddersfield tomorrow. Um, Mick certainly sort of heavily hinted as, as much. Um, obviously broke his nose, came on uh, as a late substitute uh, in midweek. So... Uh, you know, when he's fit, he's got to play for me. I think they've been wrapping him in cotton wool far too much. He's had a, a good preseason, was one of the better performers in preseason. He, he's looked fine. We talked to him, and, and he's confident that he's fully over the injuries from last season. So I think he's got to play a bit more. Um, you mentioned Johnny Williams. He's playing in a, an under-23 game. It's a, a Premier Cup fixture at Portman Road on Sunday against Liverpool. So uh, let's see if he can come come through that no question mark over Johnny's ability we saw that at the Euros again in the summer but um, you know keeping him fit is, is going to be the, the main thing isn't it um, so D- David McGoldrick to come back that one he won't be till sort of later in, in November I don't think but suddenly you know with a fit Bishop and uh, Johnny Williams and David McGoldrick I, I think sort of one of those three will probably be given the, the licence to play in that sort of advanced midfield slash number 10 role and and that might just provide that little bit of extra balance. Is Kevin Bruce seen as maybe a bit of a stopgap then until Mick's got those favoured creative attacking midfielders back and, and fully fit and raring to go? Maybe, maybe. I think uh, certainly you know those players we mentioned, when they're fit, they'll play for sure. So Kevin Bruce would be the obvious one t- to miss out. Um, that said, he's he's a bit of a Mick favourite. and um, But I'm just talking from a, from a personal point of view. I'm, I, I haven't seen him kick on enough from from his time in English football. You know, I think uh, on his day he can be a very good player, but um, I think in that sort of number ten, he's almost been playing off the striker of late, and he doesn't score enough goals or or create enough goals. I think to uh, to justify playing in in that position at the moment. But you know, we keep saying about when the cavalry returns and when everyone's fit. But uh, question is, you know, will will Mick pick them or will he continue to pick the sort of fairly pragmatic defence-minded teams, we, we shall see. Out of the, the two games we've had in the last seven days, the, the Leeds match and then Brighton, which do you think out of those two games was the better performance for Ipswich? Which one impressed you the most? Leeds and Brighton, oh, by far away the Brighton game, they were they were very poor at Leeds, um, almost on a par with that, that second half at Brentford. Um, the game plan had clearly been to go there and keep it tight and, and when Leeds went ahead, um, it was like they didn't really know quite how to react to it. The game plan had been go there, keep it nil-nil and maybe nick a goal as they had done at Derby. The difference was this time Leeds got the goal. Um, and to be honest, it, it could have been more than it could and should have been more than one nil. Chris Wood was unplayable up, up front. He hit the post before before the goal. Um, a shocking open goal miss in, in the second half as well. So that's up there in terms of the, the poor performances so far this season. Leeds, um, I actually thought they, they played okay against Brighton in, in midweek, um, 0-0. Brighton have got the best defensive record in the league. Um, so, you know, scoring against them was always going to be difficult. But um, I thought they tried to do a lot of the things that we've been criticising them. I thought they, they did it better in terms of trying to pass the ball. I thought players were braver in tighter areas. It wasn't so much hot potato. Um, and people were getting shots away as well. Jonas Knudsen let fly a few times. And OK, they were, they were all sort of outside of the box type of efforts. But um, 
a few encouraging signs from that. And I know it's another nil-nil. I know it's another game without a goal. But um, I thought there was enough to be pleased about from Tuesday night. Now, obviously, in the Tuesday game against Brighton, because of injuries picked up to those players we've mentioned, particularly to the centre-backs of Tommy Smith and Adam Webster, Luke Chambers ended up moving into the centre of defence and Josh Emmanuel came in at right-back. You spoke to the uh, the youngster yesterday ahead of uh, tomorrow's match. What did he have to say for himself? And were you impressed with him when he when he came on and, and played a larger part than he's probably played in a, an important fixture so far? Yeah, he's, he's impressed me both on and off the pitch, Josh, actually. First time we spoke to him yesterday, he came across as a very uh, mature young man. He spoke uh, spoke very well. He's, you know, he spoke about um, the sacrifices his parents have made for him growing up and uh, taking him to training and, and doing various things for him. He's a very religious young man and he talked, talked about um, faith and, and a few things like that. So... Um, first player actually who's ever ended an interview by saying thanks very much I enjoyed that as well which uh, uh, immediately gives him an extra mark out of 10 after after the next game but um, no, j- joking aside Josh has, Josh has done very well whenever he's, he's been called upon um, going back to last season you know wasn't phased by playing at Old Trafford in, in the League Cup at Manchester United okay he had a had a, a difficult afternoon against Brighton early on last season where he was taken off at half-time. Uh, Kazenga Luwalawa gave him a, a torrid time that day, but um, very first game of the season against Brentford, played well there. There, there was a few games towards the back end of the season when he got tried out, and um, ultimately he's a he's a proper right-back, which, which Luke Chambers isn't. Luke Chambers admits that himself. Mick McCarthy even has admitted that he's been shoehorning Luke Chambers into his side at, at right-back, and... No one doubts that Luke Chambers is a fantastic captain, a fantastic leader, gives everything for the cause, but I just think if Ipswich are going to really move to the next level in terms of performances, right back is a position they need to to address, have a, a bona fide right back there. They've probably not really had one since David Wright, potentially, going back that long. Um, so, real chance for Josh now. Um, Adam Webster, I think, will probably be back sooner rather than later after the international break. So, it'll be very interesting if, if Josh Emmanuel produces another performance tomorrow as he did on, on Tuesday night. It will be very difficult for, for Mick to leave him out. Um, so, um, I think it's a real real chance for Josh and I, and, I, and I hope he can nail down that spot. Is he likely to provide much of an attacking option as well for town? Because we know Mick likes to, to play wide and he obviously places a lot of emphasis in the past on having flying wingers in his stereotypical teams. But getting that support from the, the, the full-backs as well is always useful. Is Emmanuel likely to be able to provide many options from that route? He certainly likes to get forward. We were talking to him yesterday and someone suggested with his size and power might he end up moving inside to centre-back and he kind of scoffed at that and said no I'm far too attack minded for that he loves getting forward um, interestingly he said oh Mick uh, the gaffer's already been on at me about sort of being a defender first and foremost and uh, we all know Mick's principles in in that side of things and, and I hope they don't sort of um, beat that out of him too much that desire to take people on and be brave and get forward I think he needs to work on his final delivery he gets forward um, few times he kind of stands across up rather than whipping one in but he admits it's something that he's working on in training um, interestingly speaking to Luke Chambers recently he said he's had to change his game this season because of the arrival of Grant Ward now Grant Ward's obviously quite an attacking right winger so Luke Chambers says he's been asked to kind of 
sit a little bit more and, and let Grant Ward do that. But um, I, I hope they don't ask that of Josh. I hope they allow him to to get forward and express himself because I think uh, that will add some much needed extra creativity to the team. And obviously that could be quite an interesting partnership down that right hand side between Grant Ward and, and Josh Emmanuel if they manage to string some games together as a, as a pairing. But we'll move on now to the uh, the Huddersfield match tomorrow. How tricky is that going to be? Huddersfield we've said there was a bit of a surprise up there topping the league at the moment. It is at Portman Road but it's still a very strong team the town are facing tomorrow. Yeah, Huddersfield are, I think I said to you in one of the earlier podcasts about, I had them down as my sort of dark horses this season, but I'd never have had them top after 10 games. I don't think anyone would have done, but um, I vividly remember going up to the John Smith Stadium, I think it was around February time last year, and Ipswich won that game 1-0. Ben Pringle got a goal in the the first half, but um, I was really impressed with Huddersfield that day. They've got David Wagner, the, uh, the German manager in, in charge. He was um, Jürgen Klopp's number two at, at Borussia Dortmund. Um, looks like him, glasses, beard, very, very same sort of character, very larger than life character, same style of play. They talk about the high press and an all action approach. Um, there just seems to be a real feel good factor up, up there um, at Huddersfield at the moment. They, they've sold some very cheap season tickets. Um, so all in all, there's a, there's a lot of momentum surrounding Huddersfield at the moment. Um, Although they are top, just sort of maybe looking at it a bit more encouragingly for Ipswich, the, the games they have won, all seven of the games they've won have either been 1-0 or 2-1. So they're a fine margins team, just, just like Ipswich are. Um, away from home, their results haven't been as, as good as they have at home. So um, I think it's just going to be a, a tight game, a typically tight game at Portman Road tomorrow. I think maybe one goal in it, um, first goal could, could win it. So I've stuck town down for a for a 1-0 win in the paper so I think they might just grind something out tomorrow Interesting you mentioned that like Ipswich or like we've spoken about Ipswich being a fine margins team you think Huddersfield are perhaps a similar sort of mould Ipswich haven't been winning clearly as much as Huddersfield have is there something that the Blues can learn from how Huddersfield go about their game if they're playing a similar philosophy or a similar style still going for those narrow margins what is it that Huddersfield are doing that Ipswich maybe need to do a bit better to twist their fortunes a bit. Well I think looking at Huddersfield's team and everything I've I've read about them and speaking to people up in that, that neck of the woods is that they've got a bit of balance about them. Um, similar type of system to Ipswich but in, t- in terms of their two holding players um, I think there's a bit of a balance between someone who really sits and protects and uh, they've got Aaron Moy an Australian in, on loan from Manchester City. He's, he's far more of a creative player almost that sort of deep line quarterback and uh, you know they've got a mixture of uh, pace and various different attributes to, to their team and I just think Ipswich maybe lack a little bit of balance at the moment we spoke about the fullback position just just now and it's all a little bit one paced one dimensional a little bit predictable at Ipswich at the moment and, and that was you know I thought there was a contrast with Leeds again you know similar sort of thing when we went up there I thought Leeds had different strings to their bow and um Maybe that's just, you know, Ipswich uh, very solid team at the moment, not conceding many goals, and, and that's great. But uh, I think they just need to tweak that that spectrum of between sort of hard work and creativity and, and goals. And if they can just maybe tip that a little bit uh, the other way, then, then that could make all the difference. And, of course, the players coming back from injury could yet do that. Now, 
when you're preparing your pieces for the, the paper, particularly pre-match, you speak to your counterparts at other local and regional papers around the country. What have their thoughts been on Ipswich so far? Because you talk about who people's key players are, so you can get a bit of balance in, in your articles and give people a bit of a heads up about the teams that Ipswich are going to be playing. But similarly, the, the your colleagues at other papers do that as well. So what, what have they been impressed with about Ipswich? What have they been seeing that perhaps we haven't what are their their views on how Mick McCarthy's been doing yeah I guess they sort of come at it from an, an outsider's point of view and they have this sort of image of, of Mick and uh, everything he's about as a, as a manager in terms of being fairly dour fairly, fairly pragmatic um, I think there's a perception that Ipswich have become a very much a sort of a direct physical team certainly you say about talking to journalistic counterparts, and but if you listen to opposition managers as well, pre-match they always talk about Ipswich are a hard team to play against. Portman Road is a tough place to go. You know we'll have to stand up to a, a certain amount of physical threat and balls into the box and things like that. So I think a lot of uh, those tags have, have stuck with Ipswich now. Of course, people now see Ipswich as being a team that's been in the Championship for. For 15 straight seasons, I get asked quite a lot. You know, oh, where's David McGoldrick at the moment? You know, because he, he's there are a lot of uh, opposition teams that have had tough times against him a few years back, and and obviously he's had his, his injury worries since then. But I guess they just see them as a, as a fairly solid Championship side, and realistically, that's that's kind of what Ipswich are at the moment. So no uh, views elsewhere that they're going to be a surprise package like we thought Huddersfield were going to be. More so, I would say the start of last season, we, you know, the journalists, we all regional journalists, all do a, do a prediction table and, and things like that. And uh, I noticed, I think maybe out of the twenty four journalists, I think maybe four, three or four had put Ipswich in in their top six. And uh, but I don't think this year anyone had, had, had put them in. Um, they're they're just seen as a as a potential sort of outside bet for for the top six, which um which is probably a fair assumption, I would say. And fits with your prediction of sort of where they're looking at for mm. the for the end of this season. But that's all we've got time for on this week's Sleeping Giants. Next week there's no game to look forward to because of the international break, but we will of course bring you a roundup of the Huddersfield match. Thank you again, Stuart, and thanks for listening.